This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Whoa, look in here. It's the MyMac Podcast Recording Studio. Look at all this stuff. Whoa, man, cool soundboard. Hey, wait a minute. Guy and Gas aren't here. You know what that means, right? That's right. It means we're going to hijack this podcast, baby. Ha ha ha. I got a couple friends on Skype right now. Let's dial them up. My Mac Podcast 372. Hijack! It's the My Podcast with Guy and Gaz. Which one of you is Gaz? Not it. My 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 nickname growing up when I was a kid was Guy, so I guess that'll have to be me. Okay, so what you need to do is do a lot of soundboard effects for like half an hour. <laughs> so I'm Scott of the Pocket Size Podcast, also on the MyMac.com network of family of podcasts or network of families or families of pod something. And I'm taking over the MyMac podcast for a day, just as my podcast is being taken over. I think by Guy and Gaz. So if you want to hear them, you're going to have to go to that podcast. I don't know how those guys are going to keep it to half an hour to 40 minutes. I really don't. I think that's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, but you know what? You don't have to worry about it. That's their problem now. And I am joined by two friends of mine, Patrick and Peter. If you've been listening to Pocket Size Podcast, you've actually heard both of them. Uh, Peter used to be a frequent co-host and now occasionally shows up and... Um, Patrick, what did we do of yours? Was it a voicemail? Am, I've I've never been a co-host. <laughs> no, you've never been a co-host. But didn't didn't we do a voicemail or something that you sent in? I uh, I rambled on about uh, um, outliners. Yes, and, uh, that's right. And you, and you were you were I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. It was I'm not a review. It was basically judgment. a review. It was a review, and I'm not going to pass judgment on whether you were smart or not to use it. <laughs> Is that the 15 minute voicemail? Yeah. <laughs> well, Kimi was the 15-minute voicemail, but Patrick's oh, was more okay. of a review. I didn't. I did it more of as a review than a listener feed, feedback segment because it was actually a very um, yeah. good review of two different, uh, you know, That's two different ways of keeping yourself reminded of stuff. Right. So, which I need a lot of. I need a lot of it too. It's <laughs> our e brains. If I lose my e brain, I'm toast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So we are we are taking over my Mac podcast for a week. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I don't have any sound effects queued up, but I can insert some later. Yeah, but you got a couple of goofballs on the other end. That's right. Those are my sound effects. You guys <laughs> here, are my soundboard. Here. One of you does the right channel, one of you does the left channel. Oh, boy. <laughs> Pressure's on now. Well, since Wait, we haven't... which which left is right? <laughs> well, now you're getting all political. Since we haven't, uh, since we haven't done this podcast before, and... And all we thought what we would do is step in and we thought we'd talk about recent Mac um, software, I guess, or recent Mac products. We're going to talk about Lion. We're also going to talk about um, something that's not a Mac product, but an Apple product. We're going to talk about iPhone 4S a little bit. We're going to talk about iOS 5 a little bit. We're going to talk about iCloud a little bit. We might even talk about things like uh, Final Cut Pro X because one of these people, Patrick happens to be a very familiar person with with editors and Apple products 
at Final Cut Pro in specific. And uh, maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, cast a little light. Yeah, it's nice to get a professional's opinion on stuff once in a while. All right, so first of all, before we start, people are wondering who are these people and why do they have any any right to be on this podcast? Surely, with the long tradition of intense, deep knowledge that is conveyed by this podcast, these people are going to come in and screw it up. So let's give a little <laughs> bit of background on who we are and why we have the right to be here, Other besides the fact that Tim said that we were going to do this. So what what right do we have to be here? Well, my name's Scott. I have Pocket Size Podcast on the MyMac.com family of podcasts, and basically that's my right. That's why I have the right to be here. Not because I can add anything to this, not because I can teach you anything new, not because I have any knowledge, not because I'm even a good podcaster, because I'm not, but I am a podcaster on the MyMac.com network, and Tim said, let's swap podcasts. That's why I'm here. That's my qualifications. My qualifications is Tim had an idea. Patrick, what about you? Uh, Scott had an idea. Actually, I know Scott from another life, and uh, he uh, he sucked me in. So, uh, yeah, I, I I mean I've been dinking dinking with Max for a while, and uh, I'm not completely uh, clueless. But sometimes I just sound like I'm completely clueless. Like about now, you just play clueless on TV. I I play clueless on on TV. And Peter, what about you? Are you is this this would be an excellent opportunity for you to brag about the fact that you're an open source legend and then give some detail of what experience you have with Apple products? Well, I uh was proclaimed an open source legend uh, during my uh well, my extended stint on the Fresh Ubuntu podcast, which was wasn't the it, Wasn't it longest... yourself that declared that to be so? <laughs> no, actually it was not me. It was not me. It was the uh it was a listener who sent in some feedback and uh, referred to myself and Harlan uh, Harlem as uh open source legends. Okay. And uh so yeah, I did a lot of uh, podcasting on the Fresh Ubuntu podcast. Um as for my Mac cred, however, um well, the previous Mac podcast I was involved with uh, was the um, Mac New podcast. I did that I with some... I remember that. You that did was, that with some other guy. Yeah, some other guy. I was a co-host. I can never remember. Is it like Scott Wisely or something? Something, yeah. Willoughby. Something like Wallaby. Will Wallaby. Scott Wallaby. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I've been using Mac since about, I don't know, I think it was 1998, 1999, when the first iMac dropped below $1,000. That's when I bought myself a Mac. That's so and um, these days, though, like uh, my main, all my all my systems are Macs. Even though I make most of my money auditing and securing and sustaining uh, Windows networks. Oh, you uh, poor person. Yeah, no, actually, I uh, I'm I'm quite wealthy. I make a lot of money keeping Windows up and running. Someone's got it, <laughs> dude. If you could just get my computer at work to remember so if it, it goes to sleep and then it comes back up it doesn't remember that it has dual monitors and it's always displaying stuff on one monitor and i have to right click on the desktop go into options tell it to output two and then do both monitor every I'll you know monolith 3000 to contract with me and uh, i'll see what i can do yeah, yeah. they should i oh. uh i'm in i'm basically in awe because i'm surrounded by people that actually know what they're talking about uh i've just played a lot i I wanted a Mac so bad, but I couldn't afford one that I had to take my Atari ST and get a little plug-in card and some Mac boot ROMs and partition a hard drive so it would boot up. Uh, I think that was OS 2 or something. Yeah, that was uh, a long That's time ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually it, it was pretty cool. You could dual boot your uh, Atari and it would, it would come up a Mac or come up an Atari, and they were both useful. 
Hmm. Did you say OS 2? I think it was OS 2. I don't remember. It might have been 3. Like Mac OS version 2 or IBM yeah. OS slash No, no, no. Two. It was Mac OS version. Uh, I think it was 2 or 3 back then. We went through a couple different updates. Huh. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, the... <laughs> It was technically it was illegal because you were putting the Mac boot ROMs into a different machine, but we did it anyway. Shame on you. It was uh, the product was called the card. The interface card went into a DMA slot on the uh, ST, and it was called a Magic Sack. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Let's not discuss that any further. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. All right. Well, let's talk about Lion a little bit here. I don't. I don't. I listen to so many podcasts, I can't really remember how much Gaz and, and uh, Guy have talked about OS 10, 10.7, which is Lion. Oh, and by the way, last podcast, I think it was last podcast, uh, one of them went off on a thing about how OS 10, it, it seems redundant to say OS 10, 10.7. Uh, it is. It's OS 10.7. No, it's OS mm-hmm. 10, 10.7. Ver- 10.7 is the version. OS 10 is the name of the product. So there. If you called it, it, what if it was called OS Wonderful 10.7? They just so happened to call it OS 10, and then the version is 10.7. They could have called it OS Peter the Open Source Legend, and the version would be 10.7. I like the sound of that one. And you wouldn't say OS, you know, X. Peter Open Source Legend 0. 0.7. 0. 0.7. <laughs> Although, if you wrote an OS, it probably would be a 0. 0.7, but that's beside the point. Yeah, but if you're really cool, though, it's got to be OS X 10.7. I think Which calling would... it OS X is, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to. That's like spelling Mac with all capitals all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty lame. It is. Let's or beat those people. Be... But before or... we beat those people, let's get back to talking about Lion. Beating those people, is that like kicking the neighbor's dog? I think that. I we're think... not allowed to do that on the um, on the uh, Pocket Size podcast. I know. Our neighbor's dog has been spared. It doesn't deserve to be spared, by the way. It's a yippy little thing. <laughs> By the way, um, so I think that Patrick, of all of us, probably had the worst time upgrading to OS 10, 10.7. Lion. I had a perfectly happy Snow Leopard running machine, and OS, I bought the hype, and sure enough, uh, oh man, it was uh, it was a nightmare. I had everything break. But <clears throat> I think uh, part of it was uh, a hardware issue that's still kind of being resolved. But I mean, virtually everything broke. I think it was. I think a lot of your problem was hardware. I really do. There, it's still undetermined. Uh, I can't mm. get the shop to, you know, actually verify that the thing needs a new uh, logic board. But anyway, basically, what happened to me was I installed OS ten point seven, and then uh, trundled off to work where I have no real network access. And I mean, it was so it would stop working. At any point, and all I could do was read emails and uh, hope it didn't crash the email client. But everything else, everything else would stop working. So it basically became a uh, Google Chrome laptop. Yeah, yeah, nice shiny brick. Sorry, uh, had to but there's, a, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of little things that broke uh, that I actually did use. Uh, used to be able to hook a uh, phone Bluetooth earpiece to your laptop and you know do Skype calls and whatever and be wireless, and that was a great thing because you. Kind of spent money on one thing and used it for two tasks, and I thought that was great. Well, that's still broken. Hmm. Um, a lot of it's been fixed, though. I mean, a lot of it's gotten better. So you're running it on a different computer now? I actually had to get another laptop just to keep going and still trying to fix the old one. And that laptop came with Lion on it, I assume? Yeah, it did. It's brand new, and it came with Lion, and uh, it, it works okay. I'm, you know, 
I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> they're they're forcing me to keep up with the time, so here I am. My experiences weren't that bad. The only problem I had was with uh, when I what I did is I hello. So what I did was I first put um, lion on my. Ignore that. That's just people speaking Alaskan in the background, Scott. I hate that language. (laughs) Uh, That's an inside joke. Sort of an outside inside joke. Inside outside joke. joke. Yes, it is. It's outside. It's outside Alaska. Um, (laughs) Anyway, what I did is I took my MacBook Pro and I put I upgraded it to Lion, and I formatted it and made a install disk and installed from that. And my problems didn't come until I did a migration assistant and pulled all my data and accounts off of my time capsule and brought those over. And then what happened is I had all kinds of weird permissions issues. It didn't recognize that my account was the owner of the applications folder, for example, and it wouldn't let me do certain things. Every time I launched certain programs, it would ask for permission. I would have to type in the administrator password. Um, Certain programs just didn't want to work. I had a, it was mainly permissions issues and and the fact that I had dragged all this stuff over. I didn't Scott, have, Scott, wait! I thought we were talking about Mac. You're you're, you're describing Windows problems, having to type I, in your I administrator know. problem, all that stuff. I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cancel yeah, I mean, or cancel it, or allow. It felt a lot like a Windows thing. It really did. I was not impressed. You know, because every upgrade I've done before, it didn't matter whether I did a clean upgrade or I did an upgrade over top. But if I did a clean upgrade and I did a migration assistant, I've never had anything but smooth results before. Ditto. And I've done it a lot. Yeah. It was always good. Yeah, the thing, it was essentially, my opinion, it was rushed out the door. Well, I I haven't had that kind of problem. I was able to migrate everything over just fine on uh, the ones that I've done. And I upgraded my um, I upgraded my MacBook Air from which is a year old now, <clears throat> without uh, any problems as far as settings and stuff. I just did an in place upgrade, and um, then after that, I transferred a lot of the settings and stuff from that to my new MacBook Pro that I bought about a month ago, and I didn't have any problems in with that aspect of the uh, of OS ten point seven. Um, I don't have a whole lot to add after that because right now my only beef with Lion is that stuff runs slow. It's just slow. There's times where you just are waiting for something to happen. And I don't have that old MacBook Pro anymore. I had a 2008 MacBook Pro um, and I sold it. And I now have a 2011 Mac Mini with a Core i5 in it. And the only constraint that I can see that this Mac that I have now would have is the the uh, memory. I have four gigs of RAM. Yeah, I need to upgrade it, at least double it. But even so, I ran my MacBook Pro with four gigs of RAM, and under Snow Leopard, it was blazing fast. I had really no speed issues unless I was doing something really crazy on it, like rendering, you know, big video or anything like that. Yeah, that would slow it down because it's a slower, it's 5400 RPM drive, and it only had four gigs of RAM and all that. I would notice it when editing huge photos in Aperture, but Aperture 3 is kind of a performance pig anyway. And voila, here comes along Lion, and it makes my 2011 computer at times quite a bit slower than that 2008 computer was under Snow Leopard. So I'm not real impressed. I think that it's a good operating system in terms of the concept and the features. I really like the features. I don't. People are complaining about, well, it doesn't add anything, and I just don't get it. Well, I use a Magic Touchpad. And I like the gestures. I think the operating system's great. It's not 
world-changing, but I think it's a fine update, except that the performance definitely needs to be tuned. Somebody's got to do something to make it run like it should be running on a new computer. Oh, that was here, here. (laughs) Yeah, here, here. That's what sold me. I thought, well, these are some cool features, you know, and my experience in my most of my life with uh, Apple products has been so good that, you know, I I bought it and uh, holy moly, it it was just it's this this MacBook Pro is a brand new one, so it's a eight core, you know, uh, it's pretty speedy. You know, you have a Core i seven in there. Yeah, it's Core i seven, yeah. and then yeah, the yeah. the other one I have wasn't even it was barely a year old, so it was a four core i i seven. Right, and uh, it yeah, it, this one has got a lot more you know, horsepower, but uh, it doesn't run any faster than the other one. It's It runs yeah. slower on the I've, other one on Snow Leopard. I've noticed when you're saying runs, now are you talking about doing like video editing tasks and things like that, or just like using the user interface in day-to-day use? Uh, I'm talking mostly day-to-day use. Yeah, uh, because if you, if you give I it a task, it actually kind of cranks them out pretty good. But yeah, yeah the interface, it, it struggles. It's kind of like I hate to say it, but it's kind of like some clutchware that, you know, has trouble figuring out which way it wants to step. I have found the exact same thing. And at first, um, I was a little disappointed with the performance on the MacBook Air. And again, this is a one-year-old, you know, it was top-of-the-line MacBook Air. I got the 11.6 inch and, you know, with four gigs of RAM. Oh, that's so 2010. I know, I know. Yeah, I, I should just get rid of that this piece of garbage. It's not even a good paperweight. It's so damn light. Yeah. But um, but I you know I I feel that that um, the UI is definitely clunky. It, it hangs switching between applications sometimes, and you know it'll just pause for a while for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. And I know Safari some people, yeah, pretty much it just hangs there. Um, I do like all the new gestures. I do like the new UI improvements, but. Same thing on my new, you know, brand new MacBook Air. It's a month old. It's got a Core, you know, i7. It's got eight cores there, or you know, eight equivalent of eight four processors. Cores and, yeah. Four cores and double Multi-threading up. threading or whatever they call it. Right. Looks like eight processors in menu meters. That's all I know. Right. Yeah. Which ditto. was which was which was absolutely hilarious the first time I fired up a menu meters. I'm like, where the hell did my bar go? I know the it covers the entire top of the screen. <laughs> that yeah. was that was pretty hilarious. Um, but when I gave it a task like. Um, you know, do a, did a video conversion. I was doing a video conversion of, um, I don't remember what movie it was. You don't have to tell us, Peter. We probably don't want I don't, to know anyway. I, I'm sure you do want to know, and it was starring me and Siri. But anyway, yeah, well, I, I was trying to convert it over. All I can say is I'm glad over. that you sold your Batman outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do this conversion on my um, MacBook Air, and it said it was going to take like two hours and 27 minutes or something. And so I just pushed the thing over to the the MacBook Pro and said, do the same conversion. And it was done in under 12 minutes. Mm. So, you know, and that's a a Core 2 Duo versus the, you know, the Core i7. So, you know, the box obviously has a lot of power, but you just don't feel that in the user interface oftentimes. But the thing that really bothers me, though, is not so much that, it's the instability. I have had so many applications become just really, really crash happy. Mm. Um, I mean, my email client, I generally use Thunderbird mostly for my email. That thing crashes. It's not actually, it doesn't crash. It just goes totally unresponsive. Um, my browsers get unresponsive from time to time, and I have to force quit them. 
And um, I used to use G-Edit as my preferred editor before I switched back to Mac Vim recently. G-Edit is almost completely useless. It crashes all the time. Sounds I use like iStumbler. iStumbler like for wireless. G-Edit. Yeah. G-Edit. Yeah. Word. Um, yeah, well, there's that and there's BB-Edit. I mean, what do you want? Right. Um, that's the blue, the blues version. But uh, G-Edit, um, iStumbler I use for wireless surveys. That thing crashes within a minute every time I run it. Really? So, yeah, tons. What? So tons of all of these apps just crash all the time. And this happens both on my new MacBook Pro and the upgraded MacBook Air. So I don't you, think it's the apps themselves. Did you migrate any kernel extensions or anything weird across? I mean, I've seen some instability, but nowhere near what you're describing. Yeah. Stumbler works for me. But uh, so when you said browsers, are you using a bunch of different browsers and they're all flaking yes. out? Not as much, but like Google Chrome every now and then will will just freeze and, you know, and hang up. I've heard uh, that from other people. Yeah. Firefox also, though. And I use I use a couple of on any given day. I'm using four or five different browsers on the Mac. Mm -hmm. And they all, you know, to a varying to varying degrees are acting a little less. You know what? I'm not kidding. There have been people that have taken and taken and they've uninstalled adobe flash from the computer completely and their performances become much better you just might adobe that. flash huh just adobe flash nothing I, else I, I could make a career out of uninstalling adobe flash but that's usually on windows <laughs> i know but just give it a try and see what happens um you might be surprised or it may have nothing to do with whatever your particular issue is i you know personally i find i don't find a lot of instability i have a couple programs that crash all the time one of them i'm recording this podcast with by the way and uh, you were i know i was and the other one is uh doesn't crash but safari there's times when i start that up where i think they could just replace the entire window with a big spinning beach ball and that's the entire program and nobody would notice the difference the other <laughs> one is i i wanted to send an email to apple and all it would say is text edit 20 bounces why does it take text edit 20 bounces in the dock before it launches? It's a freaking text edit. You know, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about under Lion that I never saw under Snow Leopard. In fact, under Snow Leopard, you'd see one bounce and it would launch. Mm. Yeah, all apps do launch slowly. I mean, just virtually all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, it, and why? Yeah. You know? Yeah, what Lion, kind of... Lion's not an excellent driver. Definitely not. Definitely not an excellent driver. Long <laughs> Qantas recently? <laughs> slow in the driveway on saturday so what do you guys think i mean overall how do you feel about lion do you think there's hope for it do you do you want to beat somebody for the fact that you you upgraded new wish you never had well, what's your uh, what's your status my status is yeah on the snow leopard machine i definitely wished that i had not and in fact uh it is it's going back to snow leopard with the hopefully a new logic board but I, you know i I'm pretty sure they rushed it out the door and they don't, maybe they cut this part of the program, but they don't have people checking stuff like they used to. Or if they are checking, they go, well, we're going to have to fix this later. Right. And, and I hope that the culture at Apple, I'm going to have some faith here. I hope that the culture at Apple doesn't get, you know, corporate greedy and uh, turns like Microsoft has always been. I hope they actually get a clue and, you know, try to actually use the products that they're selling and, and uh, try to make it so they're happy with them and we'll be happy with them. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm going to give them a chance to fix it. I think that they, uh, yeah, I, I see some issues. I think that it's a matter of resources. I think they are rushing some stuff out. I don't think it's a matter of corporate greed so much as 
a matter of resources and stuff that's inexplicably getting mixed missed because there aren't enough eyeballs on it or something like that. Peter, what do you think about Lion? Overall, I like it, um, but you know, every time there's an OS, you know, when ten point seven point one came out, I was hopeful. Now ten point seven point two has come out, I was hopeful. Starting to lose hope, you know. I was thinking like, aha, this will make everything better. Nope, didn't make everything better yet. Mm. Um, you know, I'm waiting for that uh, that performance boost because, it, in general, a lot of the um, OS updates have usually sped things up. Mm-hmm. But this is not the first time this happened. It was. Um, I don't remember if it was 10.5 or there was a one of the earlier 10, you know, 10.0 releases. It was like either 10.4 or 10.5. There was there was a definite I think it was upgrade to 10.5 maybe. I don't know. One of those 10.4 or 10.5. There was a definite performance hit I observed on my Max when that happened. And um it took a little while for it to um to recover. And, you know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to just, you know, address these performance issues and make it more stable. Yeah. yeah I'm when, in the same boat. I'm, I'm happy with it. I like the OS. I still like it way better than Windows, but that's not, that's not a recommendation, <laughs> so let's not even say that. But no, I still like using my Mac, but it definitely ruins the experience slightly when stuff takes forever to launch and, and things are slow, just switching between apps and stuff like that. The UI is definitely molasses mode and i want them to toggle that switch back off of molasses up to some other higher setting you know even turtle would be fine i think it'd be faster you know go all the way up to deer you guys have ridden john deer tractors right anyway but we're stuck on snail right now i know we're stuck on snail so anyway i aside from that i don't have any real problems with it but it does kind of it, it does bother me because of that yes it needs to be fixed it, it definitely has d Deproved, deproved my Mac experience. Yeah, good, slightly. good word. I like it. I'm going to use that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where the whole thing goes with uh, you know Steve's departure. So yeah, one of the things that we were talking about was Apple's a small company. They have limited resources. Some of the stuff lately has seemed to have been rushed out the door. <laughs> whoa, whoa, product- whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute. What? The company with the largest market cap on the planet is a small company with limited resources? Okay, they've got a ton of dough, but they haven't expanded hugely in terms of number of people. By by comparison to my company, they're they're tiny. They're a quarter of the size or whatever. So when yeah, I'm but to say about, that they may not have acted upon it, but they could be fixing that. I mean, they, they've they could got be the fixing resources. That. Well, they could hire a bunch of people. They're also probably trying to keep things cohesive, like... Things bad things can happen when suddenly you expand from twenty two thousand or twenty five thousand to fifty thousand people or whatever. I agree. Here, here's another angle too. Now, just from the lay person's view, it sure looks like they really are focusing hard on iOS, and mm-hmm. in fact, they're trying to make the laptops and the desktops work like the mobile devices, which I think is a mistake. I, I mean, don't part, see that, part though, of it's Ari. cool. Part I don't of it's think they are. Part of it's cool, but part of it. You know, it's like, uh, well, okay. But anyway, it looks like they're pretty much focusing on iOS. And you know what? iOS is a pretty good product. It's uh, yeah, it's impressive. No it. it is impressive. So maybe they're just, like you say, they're, they've kind of shuttled the resources over in one direction a little bit. And, you know, maybe they'll catch up over there and then they'll come back and straighten out stuff on this side. Yeah, I think that's just a resource thing. I think that more people are focusing on iOS and, and people are probably getting pulled aside and yanked off stuff and being put on iOS stuff. 
And, you know, if they had more people, maybe they could say, okay, we're not going to yank these people over here and do that. I think that's a resource issue. And, it, you know, obviously it's a priority issue if that's the case. Now, going back to Mac becoming iOS, I think that Lion does have some features in it. You've got your launch pad. You've got stuff like that. You can use touchpad with gestures and all that. It's still not an iOS device. You can use <clears> your <throat> Mac just like you always have without even noticing any of that stuff if you want to. Right. You know, they changed yeah. some things like spaces doesn't work like it used to. Some people grumbled about that. Okay, fine. That's a that's a difference in operation. But at the same time, none of this other stuff even matters to you if you don't want it to. I mean, if I didn't have this magic uh, touchpad or whatever it's called, I would never know. I would never be using those gestures. Yeah. So I there's some cohesive attempt going on, but I don't think it's ruining the, it's not taking away the ability. You know, I remember reading an article by Dan Gilmore and he was just going on and on and on about Apple's control freakery and how they're turning it into an iOS device and they've ruined everything. And I was sitting there using it with a mouse, just like I'd used snow leopard thinking you're on crack, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as they keep, yeah, I mean, the, the truth is you use your mobile devices differently than you use your, your desktop devices. And that includes laptops. And, <laughs> Uh, they're just you're doing different things with them. So as long as they keep that in mind and make the stuff complementary, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. You know, but but some some guys don't get it and they oh we got to make all this look exactly the same and you know that's a big mistake there. So let's let's give them credit to you know have the brains to uh, uh, keep everything in perspective. And isn't that uh, I, I have not yet seen the screenshots or anything, but I've, I've heard that that Microsoft is pretty much doing exactly that with Windows 8, basically trying to make it like like trying to overlay a tablet UI on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're putting a Metro interface on top of it. Yeah, oh, I can't but, wait but the for difference that. Is, but the reason why they're doing it is because Microsoft and and going back to history when Microsoft has been selling tablets forever, but nobody's been buying. Microsoft has always, always tried to shoehorn a desktop operating system onto a mobile device. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing is they're not trying to make their desktop OS like their mobile OS. They're trying to make an OS that is better on mobile devices, but it's also your desktop OS. It's one OS, and that's why they're doing that. It's a different thing. It's not not what some people think Apple is trying to do and converge two separate operating systems and, you know, make them look like the same frosted donut or whatever. I don't know why I use the donut metaphor. I guess I'm hungry. Android. <laughs> but, uh, right, like Android's doing, where they screwed everything up by having everything so fragmented. Now they're taking an ice cream sandwich and trying to make it happy. Um, but, you know, anyway, they're not doing that. They're starting with One OS and they're ending with One OS, and they're just trying to actually finally acknowledge the fact that start bars and things that normally work with a mouse don't work good on a tablet. You know, they finally, after decades... Decided, yeah. well, we should probably... And I do want to give Microsoft credit for their mobile operating systems because Windows Mobile Phone 7 is is different. They're not copying Apple like Android's doing. And it's maybe weird to say that Microsoft's innovative, but I do want to say right now that I like the approach they're doing with it and they're actually trying to do something new. So, hey, credit to them for that. Whether it's the best approach and whether Windows 8 is going to be the best approach, I don't know, but at least they're trying something different. Hey, Guy, have you heard about Not Another Mac Podcast? Oh, not another Mac Podcast. Yeah, so you've heard of it then. Heard of what? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, you keep repeating yourself. I'm just telling you the name of the show. No, you don't. You keep telling me about Not Another Mac Podcast. Yep, that's the one. What's the one? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, 
you nitwit Brit, have, have you been drinking? No, you big yank tank. Listen. Not Another Mac Podcast is a roundtable discussion with Mac users and experts from all over the world. Hey, Gaz, we've been on that podcast. Are we experts now? Oh, brother. So, who's on first? What's on second? Third base. Not Another Mac Podcast is part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. You can find us in iTunes by searching for Not Another Mac Podcast or get it through the My Mac Potpourri podcast feed. So now that we've talked about Apple's limited resources, and Peter berated me for calling billionaires limited, um, I want to talk about one other product that it seems like might have been rushed out just briefly. And Patrick, you're the man who would be most familiar with that. What do you think happened with Final Cut X, Final Cut Pro X? Do you think that that was, uh, you know, what happened? Why do you think it was, first of all, what what did you see as a person who's familiar with that industry? What did it strike you as? And why do you think it happened that way? Uh, well, yes, I have edited with, uh, I used to be a professional editor and, uh, I have edited with Final Cut Pro since version three. And it, it never was the best interface, but it was workable. And we all, you know, built our, our workflows around it, and uh, we were pretty happy. So, and and it pretty much kept up with the times until the last few years, while everything started migrating towards file-based, uh, uh, you know, acquisition. And uh, Final Cut, from the very very beginning, since version one till you know version seven, the last version, uh, it's optimized for DV, and you know, DV is just DV. Uh, it's a good tape-based digital video format it has uh it's very locked down it's very uh it's not variable at all so it you know it's pretty easy to optimize the system for well anyway final cut uh you know de- desperately needed upgrading from its dv core and they never did anything with it so all the other major editors out there has kind of passed them by we're all us apple uh, you know, Final Cut users are wondering what the heck's going to happen. It's been three years since a significant update, and we desperately need something. Well, we figured they were giving the thing a major overhaul. <laughs> and Final Cut Pro X comes out, and I I was really impressed when I saw the demo. I thought, wow, that's cool. They fixed uh, the interface needed some help. It never was an editor's interface. It was built by software engineers. And uh, there was stuff about it. It was just fiddly and kind of goofy to work with. And he just worked around it. And and Final Cut X, Pro X uh, definitely took a completely different direction. I thought, well, that's cool. They eliminated all the stuff I used to grump about all the time. And uh, But then when I finally got it, it's like, holy moly, it really is. It's iMovie on steroids. There's so much stuff missing. And the the uh, the view that pretty much everybody took, and there was a huge backlash that was over the top too, but the view that everybody pretty much took was that Apple doesn't make money on their pro market, uh, and they're kind of into the the mobile side and the consumer side, and uh, and they pretty much just took a big dump on the whole pro community because they released a product that was not professional tool it has no it has no workflow in the real world 
uh, if you're just going to sit down as a solo guy that's going to shoot and edit some, you know, little, um, you know, little corporate bits or whatever. Yeah, it works great. But you're not going to interface with uh, sound tools. There was no, there was no import export, you know, to, uh, to get your uh, audio, you know, your stuff out to an audio uh, sweetener. And uh, there was no multi-camera. I mean, there's a whole slew of deal breakers just completely they, they deal still breakers. they've they've done an update where they added a bunch of stuff back in and they yep. still don't have multi-camera until next year i guess yeah and that's that is a complete deal breaker for a lot of people i mean i if i'm doing them when i was doing multi-camera edits i mean there's no comparison from having those tools or not having those tools i mean you just wouldn't believe the difference do you think any of the Anger was, I mean, okay, how much of the anger was the fact that people don't like new stuff and, and the timeline is obviously a lot different. There's a new process. They're going to have to learn a new workflow. The, the most vocal guys, you know, are, it's a lot of that. The most vocal ones just like to rant. They like to hear themselves. So here's a band. They got a lot of lot of meat to chew on with that. So there was a whole lot of uh, just ranting for the sake of ranting. Because I uh, remember one blogger in particular was just ranting about stuff, and then other people were pointing out to him, uh, you're wrong, that feature's here, or, oh, you do this this way, and it was just a different thing, and he didn't yeah. understand it, but he was ranting before he understood the differences. Yeah, the workflow changed. Right. And and like I said, the old interface needed a bunch of changes, in my opinion, from the very beginning. I came from Media 100 and actually some other things before it that were far, far better editing tools than Final Cut. Just because they were made by editors for editors. And uh, and the new Final Cut Pro X actually addressed a bunch of that stuff, and I thought, that's really cool. You know, we don't have to do that dumb workaround, or, you know, you don't have, don't have to do this, don't have to do that. But, uh, yeah, it a lot of it was just backlash, backlash for the sake of backlash. But uh, but you dig in a little deeper, and there's there's a lot of pieces missing. and And, again, I think they... It had been almost three years. I think they they hurried that one out the door before they sat down and, uh, you know, tested it. And I hate that. I wish that, because Apple's supposed to have glass. And I wish that they would sit down and use their stuff, you know, test it before they send it out the door. You know, the thing about Apple is that they do this a lot. And we kind of talked about this before we started recording. But they'll take a product and when they want to overhaul it, they'll release it. And it will not have as many features as the previous product. It'll be trimmed down. iMovie was an example. Even OS X was an example. When it came out, it was very feature poor. I mean, it didn't have a lot of stuff. And as it went on, it's gotten better and better and better and better and better until it got slow again. But besides that, anyway, so what they'll do is they'll just incrementally add that stuff back in and they do it all the time. And for consumer products, that's fine. Exactly. For consumer products, that's cool because you can kind of, you can kind of uh, trim your development to the, you know, supply and demand. Basically, you trim your development to the needs that you see. And, and that's people, great. And people can live with it, too, because they'll say, you know, like when the original iPhone came out, it didn't have a lot of features that smartphones had. But what it did have was significantly better. It was a better user experience. And people said, you know what, okay, it doesn't have everything, but I don't care. I want that phone. And then as stuff got it, started getting added back in, it finally is becoming the experience that people, that the critics were saying, oh, you don't have the, you know, now it is. Yeah, you're basically building the tool as you find the need. And that's all good, but you can't do that with a professional tool. It's got to work out out the door. It's got to work. I mean, you just can't when your livelihood depends on getting stuff done. You can't be fussing around with stuff that doesn't work for you. So, yeah, uh, you know, Adobe sold their 
their production suite for half price and uh, Avid did the same thing. And I don't know the numbers, but my feeling is that the professionals, uh, I'm kind of not in touch as, as much as I used to be, but the professionals I do know, I'm going to guess that more than half of them just said, well, you know, Apple has crapped on the professional uh, community. And so we've got work to do. We'll either use Final Cut 7 until we can't use it anymore. And and guys are struggling. File-based uh, uh, material is tough to deal with in Final Cut 7. You have to render and render and render and render. And it's tough to edit. And you want to edit in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of guys are going to continue using seven until you know they just finally go this is you know not working for me the rest of them they jumped ship and said nope i'm going to use something else i did it too i bought premiere i bought adobe and uh i like it center get off this podcast you know i think apple i think it would have been fine i think what they should have done is introduce it as a complimentary product and they should have not called it a pro product and they should have said this is where we're going for the future and we're going to start adding these features back in. And in the meantime, please try it. Here's a trial version, which they now have, way too late. And here's the trial version. Try it out. And if you like the interface and you like the new workflow, well, that's great because we're going to be adding these other pro features back in. And I think if they would have just run it alongside yep. as a non-pro yep. product that they were going to bring up to pro standards, I think they would have been okay. They they would have been better if they treated everybody like uh, like a community, like their friends. But what they did was they kind of took an arrogant stance on it, and um, they yanked Final Cut Seven Suite, the production suite, off the shelves and said, "You will use this, or you know, you'll buy ten, or you'll buy nothing." And so that they pretty much stepped on their own foot on that one. And Patrick, uh, uh, Apple that, doesn't have friends. Sorry. Yeah, Apple actually backpedaled, and you can still buy. Final Cut 7 production suite, it's back on the shelves. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's a stopgap, you know. Right. They will. In other words, they're still supporting it, which at first they had completely dropped support for it. Which so, is also uh, kind of lame because you shouldn't drop support for something that you just no. brought out a new version of. you, you got to remember that that product was around for 10 years and a lot of shops built their entire workflow around that. And consumers can upgrade. You know, the thing about Mac and Apple consumers is they upgrade relatively quickly compared to like Microsoft users, for example. At least that's the numbers that I've seen. And that's fine. But that's a consumer industry that's totally different than a professional Mm -hmm. market. Pros just don't upgrade. They just don't. They take longer. They evaluate. They, They just take longer. Frank, I am really excited to be starting up the Mac Specialist Podcast with you. Yeah, me too. I think we're going to have a lot of fun and I think we're going to be able to help people. And we're totally going to be famous. Famous? I'm not certain we're going to get famous. Yeah, dude. Everybody listens to podcasts. Who listens to podcasts? Al Gore? Al Gore listens to podcasts? I'll bet he does. Well, I mean, I suppose he was the vice president, but I thought he was more into, like, polar bears and stuff. They listen to podcasts, too. Polar bears listen to podcasts? Does that mean we should talk about snow? Maybe once we get around Christmas. Sounds good. In any case, I'm still pretty excited about the Mac Specialist Podcast. Absolutely. Now let's move on to what Apple clearly has been, well, I think, has been spending more more of their time on and probably doing a better job on. Uh, we all know that iOS 5 came out recently. The iPhone 4S Woo-hoo! came out recently. Da, da, da. 
<laughs> iCloud came out recently. And uh, Patrick, I'm not sure how much you've been experiencing these products yet, but um, Peter and I both have iPhone 4Ss, and we've both been playing with it. And I'm going to give Peter a chance right now to tell me what his favorite features are because he's been so ecstatic about it that he's been iMessaging me nonstop about them. Peter, hello. Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> um, Did Siri uh, ever comes... agree to marry you, by the way? Uh, I. I, well, <sighs> I quit. Did you ask Siri if she's from Alaska? <laughs> I did not. I did not ask Siri if she's from Alaska. But you know what? Hold on. I will. Okay. Siri, this... are you from Alaska? Her response is, we were talking about you, not me. (laughs) That's funny. So, yeah, now that uh, the Siri servers are back up again, uh, it's pretty cool. I'm really liking that. Your bandwidth Uh, just cut in half when you did that. Oh, I'm not surprised. Siri takes a lot of, Siri takes a lot of, uh, you know, bandwidth. She likes to hog the conversation. She does. She's, She's very conversation dominant. Um, but now that Siri is actually working again, you'll recall that we were both having pretty much, you know, no, no way of accessing it yesterday. Most yeah, of the day. Yesterday it was useless for me. I, I think I managed to hit it once. Yep. Um, now that it's working again, it's really cool. I, I've been able to send complete emails and text messages with it completely hands-free. Um, it's a little bit buggy though. Like I was saying for you, Scott, if I say, um, I can pretty much reliably at this point, if I say send, compose a new email or send a text message, and then it asks me, who do you want to send a message to? I give that person's name. Uh, if it has to, like, if it comes up with a person with multiple phone numbers, it asks, which phone number did you mean? I give it the phone number I meant and it calls that person. So there's a little bit of a logic problem there, you know, mm. in the code. It, I haven't it seen that. I've seen yeah, some, I can I can reproduce that. I've seen I've seen some weirdnesses when I've been asking it to email and it gets confused about subject and then it dumps a bunch of stuff in the uh, into the message body. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. But I've been able to reliably reproduce the whole, you know, calling a person instead of texting them. Yeah, okay, hold on. I, w- I want to do an experiment here. Who's I'm your jealous. daddy? My daddy. Who is your daddy? Who is your daddy? My daddy. Who's your daddy? My daddy. Oh, it's not doing it. This is what was happening to you, Peter. Yep. Who's your daddy? What? Who is your daddy? You are. Can we get back to work now? <laughs> Finally, you got the answer that you were waiting Finally, for. Finally, yeah. I'm going to have to edit this to make that any kind of humorous. Okay. But, I think but, it's pretty but, good the way it is. I think it's better. Yeah, I think it leave it leave it right as it was, Scott. Don't change that. Let me My try daddy? one, though. Let me My try daddy? that, and then I'll move on to the other features. Hold I on. did the why, why did the chicken cross the road, and it gave me a Wolf from Alfred page that said to get to the other side. I need to hide a body. <laughs> I liked when it said what. <laughs> what? All right, did you guys catch any of that? No, not at all. Oh, you didn't come through? Mm-mm. 
I I I'm using Skype on the iPhone, so I've got some weirdness between the jag the audio input anyway. So um, she a serious response is, "What kind of place are you looking for? Mines, metal foundries, swamps, dumps, or reservoirs?" <laughs> You're kidding! I am absolutely not kidding. Oh, I love it. Awesome. So Jeez. and of course you click on one and it will take you to you know like Google Maps listings and stuff. So. Because I'm down in near Boston right now, so that I said reservoirs, and it's just, oh, you know what this is going to do? Do you know what's going to happen? Everybody that's dumping bodies is going to wind up in the same locations. <laughs> There's going to be stacks of bodies in certain places. Sure, law enforcement is happy about that because they'll you know be able to It'll find the bodies. I know they can just query, make the query, and then drive on over. So there you go. Let's talk real quick, Peter. You and I have iPhone 4s. Let's talk real briefly about the iPhone 4s itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the phone? Why are you glad that you got it? First of all, uh, you and I both came from iPhone 3GS, so let's yes. not downplay the fact that this is a huge upgrade for us. Yeah, this is a two-year, two-and-a-half-year upgrade. I'm happy for um, Yeah. Oh, no. It, the phone is faster. Um, they, they say that the battery life is better. Uh, I don't know. I, I used it today. I left, the, I left the house. I had about a 90, 95% charge. And I was down to about 25% by the time I got back uh, today. I've been experiencing the same thing, but in fairness, let's be honest here. We're, we're, at least for me, I'm using this phone a lot more than I was using my iPhone 3GS because it's so much more enjoyable to use and because I'm trying out all the new features. And some of the new features suck battery. Like, it's, it's checking GPS more because there's things on here that are checking GPS more. It's also yeah. Siri sucks battery. You know, there, there's things we're doing that could account for quite a bit of that. I understand that. Anything that does a bunch of data over the air is going to suck battery. Just you can't get around that. Yep. Yep. The radio. So, the radio is expensive. Yep. <laughs> and you know, and that's why we need. Like, I don't know. I've been hearing people predicting that, like, in the next five years, battery technology is going to have this great leap forward, and I can't wait. But um, anyway, so Siri is really kind of cool now that it's working. Um, I'm trying to have, you know, I got to find a tutorial and just sit down and, you know, hopefully find some documentation on exactly all of the things that it can do, because I've just been fiddling around, you know, finding things, you know, willy nilly. And it's kind of cool. Um, the other new, but you said you want to talk about the phone, uh, just, itself. Yeah, specifically so, about the iPhone four right now. Well, for me coming from a three GS, I now have the dual camera for the first time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's not new. But isn't that the, fun? Yeah, it is kind of cool. It's like, oh, I can turn the camera and face myself without having to turn the face. Hey, that's kind of cool, you know, the first time you do it. Um the new camera is uh what, eight megapixel? Yeah. Um that, that that results in a curious phenomenon when you take a photo and out of like uh habit when I would go to send an email, I would just go down and say, Yeah, send actual size. I'm now sending actual size four meg email attachments out. <laughs> so that probably accounts for uh, some of my battery loss. But also. the camera itself is so... I mean, this is a camera that now I can actually use. Like, I, I never used my iPhone 3GS to take videos or pictures of my daughter anymore because they came out so bad. I just yeah. never used it. And now this is one that, okay, it's not DSLR quality or whatever, although I've heard some idiots who have never used a DSLR proclaiming it to be. But it's mm. it's really, you know, it's not bad. It's something that I will use to take pictures and videos of my daughter, no doubt. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an improvement. Um, the fact that the whole box is running on a dual core, you know, yeah, A5 yeah. processor now, that I know, makes a huge all difference. All of those lags, you know, from 4.3 or 4.2 or something upwards on the iPhone 3GS, it was just lag city. It was so slow. There were times you could tap a button and count to 20 before anything would happen. Yep. And that's all gone. Uh, 
Although you said, though, that you experienced a speed improvement on your 3GS under iOS 5, correct? I did, yeah. It's still not, believe me, it's still not the same as this iPhone 4S, but it, no, no, it's, no, no. it's noticeably quicker than it was under 4.3.5, yeah. They must yeah, have cleaned some stuff up. Right. They seem to, but also not to get too far afield from you know talking about the new phone hardware. I did also, occasionally I've had it hang... Um, not just like slowy, slow logy behavior, but it just like would hang for a period of time, um, rotating, for instance, like looking in the camera, rotating mm-hmm, at 90 mm-hmm, degrees mm-hmm, or an email. And I'm talking like the old 3GS would, you know, it would hang for a split second and then rotate 90 degrees. This was like 15 seconds. Mm. So something right. was going on in the background that was, you know, really bogging it down. Yeah, and it wasn't all the time. It wasn't consistent. It's just that all of a sudden at times you'd notice that your phone was crawling to a halt, and then other times it would be not bad. Yeah, and then you'd notice that it was getting hot and wonder what the hell's going on. <laughs> it burst into flame in your hand. <laughs> yeah, but this, exactly. the iPhone 4S is just fast. It's just smooth. It's not, yeah. it doesn't make you feel like you're on a rocket ship and you can't keep up with it and you're struggling to watch the interface whiz by, but what it does do is feel completely usable and, and natural and in no way slowing you down. Yep. So yeah, Ima- no, it's it's pretty cool. Imagine me going from a three G to is that a what you have iPhone- right now? No, iPhone four now, but oh, I went right, from a three G, right. not the S, to a four, and that was yeah. a pretty healthy jump. Mm-hmm. Similar, yeah. I'd say it's probably about a similar, similar thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely um, you know it, it it's it's worth the upgrade. So okay, so now that we're done talking about that, let's talk about iOS five and iCloud. Wait, We've only one, got a one few minutes. last caveat though. No. no. Yes, okay, last fine. bit about it, uh, Scott, as we were talking about today, you'll notice that I was told when I bought mine that I had to get the um, Apple Care Plus warranty with oh, yeah. the phone. Right. And I heard that from a lot of people. They were saying you have to buy Apple Care. So uh-uh. Apple Care has changed for the phone. It's it's now called Apple Care Plus. And it's $99 instead of $69. And it covers two incidents of accidental damage. So if you're a klutz and you drop it down the toilet. Now, Apple has always had some leeway. In, in fact, um, Somebody I know, I won't mention who, but I live with her. Her phone went in the toilet and uh, (laughs) she took it back and she said, you know, here's this uh, phone that I dropped in the toilet. Don't worry. It was before uh, I could use it. And anyway, they said, you know, thanks for letting us know. And then at their discretion, they went ahead and replaced the phone under Apple Care, even though they don't have to for water damage. So probably what's going to happen is they're going to tighten up on doing acts of kindness like that. But you're going to have the Apple Care Plus, and and what I've been told is it's two incidents of you know bonehead, two boneheads, and there you go, and it's ninety nine dollars. But I've been hearing from a lot of people you have to buy it when you buy the phone. But I pre-ordered my phone online, and nowhere did I see anything about having to buy it. They suggested it, but never did it say if you don't buy it now you can't buy it. And in fact, when I went on to Apple Store today online and I click on Apple Care Plus, what it says is you need to buy this with your phone. Add your iPhone before you buy or if you've pre-ordered it or if you've or if you got your phone at such and such you know within this date range you can go ahead and buy it but you need to call this number you can still get apple care plus after and this is especially important for people who like me who pre-ordered them and didn't buy the apple care at the time because we're used to the old system and there was nothing that indicated that it was any different you, you have until november 14th i think it was to uh you know something like that to to buy apple care plus for your phone but it is different now. Yeah, I thought it was a month. I thought you got a month. But anyway. Well, that's a month from when it came out. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but I thought I mean, you used to be able to do that a month later, too. But they need to make anyway. it more clear, in my opinion. Because yes. when yes, I ordered the do. phone, it wasn't clear. They're developing 
policy as they see as fit. they go. So let's yeah. talk about iOS five and iCloud uh, briefly. We're running out of time, but since we're emulating Guy and Gaz, we can go for another half hour. <laughs> or not. Both of you guys have used iOS five to some degree. Uh, just a little, yeah. I have. Yes. I uh, got the update just a couple days ago. And uh, I will say that when I tried to update on the day that it became available. Uh, my devices kept failing on restoring, and that was because a lot of people didn't realize that it was because the servers. It has to contact the servers in order to start that restore process, and that's where it was failing. People didn't realize that. I had some emails from people that were saying, oh, it's not because of the servers. It's because of Apple's dumb product, and it's like, no, that's actually because the servers are being hammered. So the servers were hammered. Upgrades took time if you did it on the 12th, which is when iOS 5 came out. But aside from that, it was a completely painless update and no issues whatsoever. I am uh, uh, pretty I'm much impressed. the same. I tried to do the upgrade. It took many, many hours just to download it. Uh-huh. Um, and then for some reason, my machine rebooted, my computer, my Mac rebooted. Like, I don't know how, you know, wait, what way, what portion during the um, the upgrade. And I had to restart it all. And so I just gave up, went to bed and did it the next day in a few minutes. Oh, that was me. Did I tell you I have back to Mac running on your Mac? Bastard. And what are you running it on? Patrick, are you running it on your iPhone 4? Yeah, I put it on. I have an iPad version 1, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it got it, too. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and the update went uh, just like you would expect. I did it uh, just a day or two ago, and uh, <clears throat> it was just exactly what you'd expect. It worked flawlessly, and it took the reasonable amount of time for, you know, download, uh, you know, transfer. But uh, other than that, uh, it was completely uh, painless. Seamless, painless. What are you? What are you guys finding are your favorite features about iOS five so far? And you know what? You can mingle that with iCloud. If it's something that is because of iCloud or vice versa, go ahead and mention it. Because in my mind, iCloud and iOS five can't be separated. I mean, they're so integrated. It's basically what it always should have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, all that stuff should have uh, synced over the air all along. I mean, so. I'll go ahead since um, one of the things that I like the most is the Wi-Fi, the wireless Wi-Fi syncing. I hate tethering. Peter and I have talked about this before where I would only sync in order to, and, and therefore back up as well. I would only do that when I needed new podcasts and it was just annoying to have to go sit down and you know, it's just annoying. There are caveats to the Wi-Fi syncing. You have to sync it by USB one time to get the device available so that you can check the option that says sync by Wi-Fi. On this device, you have to, if you want to back it up to the computer and not to iCloud, you have to check that. Um, And then there's some weird things. You have to leave iTunes running. You also don't want to eject the device in iTunes if you want to be able to do the Wi-Fi sync. You have to leave it in the left-hand side there. Normally, your brain goes, I want to eject that before I unconnect it from USB. Don't. After you've told it to go go ahead and enable Wi-Fi syncing, just leave it there. Close iTunes if you want or whatever and take the device off, but then you need to leave open up iTunes again, you need to leave it running. iTunes has to be there, the device has to be showing on the left-hand side, and your computer can't be asleep. So if your computer's like mine and it goes to sleep after a certain point and it doesn't wake up even though you have wake-on LAN requests enabled, <laughs> uh, you're not going to do any syncing until you physically go to your computer and waggle the mouse or whatever. I'm assuming that it will uh, automatically refine the device if you relaunch iTunes. It will, it does. It goes out and finds them. And one of the other things I had happen was um, I had both my iPad and iPhone showing up, and they were on the Wi-Fi network, and all of a sudden I saw this dialog box on iTunes pop up that said, looking for iPhone, and then it 
closed and iPhone was no longer shown in the left. So I tried triggering a sync from the iPhone side and it never could see it. It kept saying looking for, you know, my computer's name. It kept looking for my computer. I had to shut down iTunes and start it again. So it's not completely seamless. It still requires way too much fiddling with the computer side of things. But assuming your computer's not asleep, assuming that iTunes is running, and assuming that your device is showing up in the left-hand side, all these wonderful assumptions, um, it works great. And I found on my iPhone, it'll do a backup the first sync of the day, whether it's plugged into power or not. The iPad will do a backup uh, if it's plugged into power. But it doesn't necessarily do it every time. So I, mm-hmm. I don't... It's kind of weird. It's, I think it's supposed to be once a day, just like your iPhone. If you plug your iPhone in and you sync it, it'll do a backup. And then you hit sync again and again and again, and it won't do a backups again until you unplug it and then plug it back in. I think it's emulating that, but I think it's going for a once a day thing. At least that's what it looks like with the iPhone. With the iPad, I'm not sure. It went a couple days, and then it started doing a backup without it plugged in on power today. I was hmm. off power, and it did a backup. So I, I'm not sure what rules it's living by. Let's put it that way. Hmm. But if you rely on your devices to be backed up thoroughly, you might want to do some testing and understand the behavior before you assume that your devices are being backed up. When they're connected uh, over Wi-Fi, you can go in iTunes, click on the device name in the left-hand side, and it'll show you when your last backup of the device was. So you can look and see. But just be aware of that. So I like Wi-Fi syncing, but it's not perfect. With me, uh, Wi-Fi Sync works really well under my 3GS and seems to work fine on my iPad, but I have not yet been able to get my iPhone 4S to sync wirelessly. Hmm. It just goes in and just says, looking for you know the name of my computer, and it never gets beyond that point. Did you shut down iTunes and restart it? Uh, I don't the re- honestly The reason remember. I'm asking is because what would ha- probably happen, if you go to your computer, it's probably not showing in that left-hand pane of devices. It's probably not showing. It got ejected it wasn't. somehow. Yeah, it right. wasn't. That's that's why. So what you have to do is close iTunes and reopen it, and it, what it should do is see it at that point. If it doesn't, something else is wrong. But if it's on the Wi-Fi network, it should see it at that point, and then you can do your sync. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. But there yeah, you go. I just don't know why. Like, I didn't have to do that with my other two devices. That's because it saw them, and they didn't get ejected. Something happened with that iPhone where it suddenly didn't see it anymore, and it ejected it. So, I had, like I said, that happened to mine today. I'll try it. I'll try it when I get home. You're out. Out of the pool. You're out of the pool. Get off the <laughs> island, you iPhone 4. They kicked you off because it's the strongest candidate and they don't want to lose. <laughs> so what about iCloud and iOS 5, though? I mean, I've had no problems with iCloud. I've had some people complaining. I've heard some people complaining about PhotoStream because it puts every photo. Um, now, it doesn't take every photo that's on your camera roll and push it up there it only takes new ones it, it puts every photo that you have that you take from the time of enabling photo stream up into your photo stream and it holds like 30 days worth which is kind of a weird number to me why 30 days what if i take a billion photos on each day you know uh or what if someone else takes one photo in 30 days it seems kind of arbitrary to me it seems like it'd be a a, a number of photos but anyway, it's supposed to take 30 days of photos, and it leaves it in the photo stream. And then it's kind of up to you to manage how you handle that. Like on my computer on iPhoto, I don't have it automatically syncing. I don't have it automatically pushing all my photos out to photo stream, and I don't have it automatically bringing new photos from photo stream in. But what I can do in iPhoto is there's a new little thing off to the side that says photo stream, and you can drag photos into it to put them in your photo stream. And then on the iPhone and the iPad, anytime you take a picture, it's going to put it in the photo stream. When it's in the photo stream, you can go click on that photo and you can add it to an album 
a new album or an existing album, and once you've added it to an album, now it's local on your device. It'll add it to the camera roll on your device if it's not already, um, and then it'll add it to whatever album you specify, and that's the way of saving it. So you're, when that photo purges out a photo stream, it's still going to be on your device, but bear in mind that it's local. It's not in the cloud at that point. So mm. any thoughts mm. on photo stream? You guys care? Um, I, I use it very – I haven't really done much with it, but uh, it seems to work. I mean, I, I snap a picture. It shows up on my next – on my, um, you know, other units. That's kind of cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, it all depends on how you're, how you're using photos. And if it's, you're just doing general snapshots, then, uh, yeah, that's probably pretty cool. Uh, I haven't enabled that yet, actually. Some people would like a way to be able to delete pictures out of the photo stream. And I I can understand that. It's not like I'm doing anything that I care about and I'm not sharing my photo stream with anybody. I think one important thing about iCloud that should be noted is I was concerned about, okay, how is this going to work? So between my wife and I, we didn't want to share uh, data like address books and uh, photos and all that. But what we did want to do was be able to buy apps from the App Store and share that. The good thing about iOS 5 is that it lets you log into all this stuff separately. You can log into iCloud with one account. With You create a new iCloud account if you don't already have one. Or if you have an Apple ID, you can use that. So my wife used the Apple ID that she used previously before we got our iPhones, before we started sharing an account to buy apps with. And I logged in with the account that we use in the, Apple, the, uh, the iTunes store to buy apps with. Now that's my iCloud account. She has a different iCloud account, so she only sees her data. I only see mine. But then you can log into the store in iTunes with your uh, the shared account, the same account that we use together to get apps, and that works perfectly too. So it's really not uh, – they created a nice way of keeping that stuff separate. So we yeah, can still – go ahead. I was just going to say I was unaware of that, and uh, you know, it doesn't like my Apple ID because it's not an email address. I have an old one that I like. Oh, see, I didn't know. I didn't understand how that was. People were talking about that, and I'm like, well, how can that be? Because my Apple ID is an email address. Right. That came along later. Okay. uh, So I don't want to change. I'm being stubborn, and I just don't want to change because I don't want to. And anyway, it's, you know, forcing me to to use the new features or to get iCloud to go. I have to. uh, You have to create create a new iCloud account, yeah. Yeah, a new uh, Apple ID for right. it. Well, <clears throat> I didn't actually want to modify my old one, but uh, I was not aware that I could have the separate uh, IDs and have everything still work fairly seamlessly. So, yeah, so anyway, you should be able to just create the new one, log into iCloud with it, but keep the old one for the I, store. Exactly what I did, and yeah. it seems to be working good. So that's cool to hear that uh, you've actually got three accounts, sort mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. and uh, they're all happily coexisting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in theory, you could have an entire family uh, sharing the iTunes store, you know, up to 10 Apple devices, and then um, everybody have their own iCloud account for their syncing their data or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the problem that it doesn't solve is it doesn't solve the problem of, you know, like we want to put stuff on each other's calendar. So for that, because we have separate iCloud accounts, that doesn't help. So what we do is we still use Google calendars because we can share those, subscribe right. to those easily with each other. We still do that. We still use Gmail. We're not iClouding any of that stuff. But um, but anyway, what it lets you do is keep your contacts separate, keep your photos separate, keep all your other stuff separate, keep your document data, for your apps document data that we'll use iCloud at some point, keeps that stuff separate. But then you can share apps and uh, and all that. I'm going to guess that PhotoStream's current incarnation is probably an experiment to see how people use it and how they 
you know, complain and would like it to work differently, and then maybe they'll figure out how to develop it further. The best way that I used it was uh, what I did is I told... Um, well, actually, when I enabled iCloud and I enabled PhotoStream, I noticed that when I plugged my iPhone in, it had unchecked syncing with iPhoto. So I had a certain photo album set up in iPhoto. When I would put photos in there, they would get synced over my iPhone when I hooked up the cable and did the sync. Mm-hmm. Well, now it doesn't do that anymore. So what I did is I moved a bunch of photos from iPhoto into my photo stream, and then I went on my iPhone and I saved them all to a local album. So for me, it was an easy way of just moving stuff across. It was a manual process, but it was a convenient way. It was almost like a Dropbox experience, right? You yep. shove something up in a Dropbox, pull it down on a different device. It was just like that, except I used PhotoStream to do it. And you know what? I'm perfectly happy with that use of it. I don't need PhotoStream to be something that I share with the entire world. What about <laughs> iMessage? I think there was somebody here who was in love with iMessage and kept sending me messages today repeatedly. But... <laughs> I, I love iMessage, and um, the reason is that I still live in rural Vermont, and cellular coverage there, especially like in my hometown, is horrible, if maybe non-existent. So, um, but every now and then I would get, you know, people would, would send me text messages, and I, you know, would maybe get them days later when I would get back into cell signal or something. Um, so now I actually have a way to send and receive text messages from most of my friends who also have iPhones. And it's free. And it also works on my iPad. And it works on my iPod 3GS, which is what I'm now referring to as my iPhone 3GS as because it doesn't have a SIM card anymore. Well, that's that's all really great. But how come we can't still, still cannot send text messages to and from your computer to the mobiles? Well, Well, I think that what they should do... Well, what Apple should do is, and a lot of people have been why, asking why they're not doing this, is, is get iMessage app? incorporated into iChat. Exactly. Yeah, where's so, the app? And they should. But you're right. You know what I found out is is so cool about iMessage is if, if I'm doing a conversation with Peter on my iPhone and then it runs out of battery because I've been playing with Siri all day, I take it upstairs and then I get my iPad and I open iMessage mm-hmm. and it updates it with all those messages. So mm-hmm. I can continue cool. the conversation even though I don't know why I would want to. But anyway, I can. By the way, that's one thing about iMessage that we should be clear on. If you're communicating with somebody that's using iOS 5 and they have iMessage installed, it'll send it as an iMessage once it figures that out. For everybody else, it'll be SMS. And you can tell because... Um, it tell, yeah, it shows right in the in the Compose window. It, it shows in the Compose window. It tells you whether it's iMessage or text, and it also changes the color of the button. I think the texting one is green and the uh, iMessage one is blue. So it'll, you can figure out that, okay, this person's a text message guy. You know, if you need to keep track of text messages. Right. And that's great. We just need an application on the computer, on the desktop machines to to tie into that system as well. And then we'd be perfect. Wouldn't that be cool? Yep. I totally agree. But, you know, maybe they figure you're going to be sitting there with your iPhone beside you. But at the same time, it would be much better to have it in, integrated in iChat or something like that. Uh, yeah. Why they don't have that is beyond me. But maybe For that, I, I just use... Email gateways for that. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah but you you're, can do that. you're an open source legend. You 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 probably <laughs> think that email gateways are the way the entire internet works. It doesn't. So so there you go. You yeah, probably think I that's just, how operating systems work, is by sending email to each other to themselves. They, they don't. So uh, what else should we can we talk about in like five minutes about iOS five and or iCloud? I've I want to I do want to say. Uh, people have been bitching about their mail, but I don't use MobileMe mail, and I haven't used an iCloud mail address. But I have found that for everything else, all the syncing 
and updating and everything like this, I've found iCloud to be completely seamless so far, and I'm impressed. I know that I've heard a couple people griping about it, and a couple people griping about why doesn't iWork yet, you know, integrate with iCloud and update my documents or whatever, but um, just for using between iDevices, I've found iCloud to be perfectly stable and available. Yeah, my limited view has has been, oh, this is Apple the way Apple should be. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's working, but you know I'm not trying to sync mail though. Right, Peter, do you have complaints? I haven't really used iCloud all that much, other than PhotoStream. I'm still using my Google services for most of my uh, stuff. Right. So uh, what I'm really waiting for is um, the um, the music feature. You know the uh, the matching. What the hell they call that? Oh right, yeah, song matching or whatever they're going to call it, where they music match when they charge you 25 bucks a year and they'll. Uh, so the way, yeah, the way it's going to work is whatever songs, um, like right now you can download any song again that you've, you don't have to keep it on your device because you can download it again from iTunes if it's something that you purchased through iTunes. If it's not something you purchased through iTunes, you're going to pay Apple 25 bucks a year. They're going to look, see if they have that available. If they do have it available, great. You get it in better quality probably, and you can download it and it'll stay there in the, in the iTunes store and you can download it any time. Um, if it's something that wasn't available i think it uploads it and then anyway then it's in the cloud and you know that's your 25 dollars thing is it'll take stuff that you've ripped stolen whatever it'll load them up there and then you can download them again but it's not really piracy per se because it's just taking music that you have and it's not sharing it with the entire world or anything it's just yours Mm -hmm. i think that's cool Anything else about iOS 5? I, I just like iOS 5. I think it's a great... There's so many little things that I keep finding. There's actually a lot to this operating system, and I think it's a great upgrade. I think it's... And I think it was well done. I don't think this is a Lion experience. I think it's a great experience. I was going to sum it up by saying, it feels good. Yeah, it's no Lion. <laughs> and I'm not Lion. <laughs> That's about all I got, guys. I have a server that just uh, I just got a report. A server is down, so I need to drop off and uh, okay. fix it anyway. No so, problem. We're gonna get going pretty soon here. Because uh, on that note, though, the uh, new notification system is is awesome. I, I'm digging yes. it. I just yes. I just got it going like 20 minutes, well, five minutes before we started, and I thought that was pretty cool. Well, that's yeah. three hours ago now. Oh, whatever. <laughs> all right, guys. thanks, man. Talk to you later. Right. See ya. Yeah, I think the new notifications are great. Uh, you know, basically it sits at the top. You don't see it unless you swipe down from the top. But mm-hmm. whenever a notification comes in, and the nice thing about the notifications is you can have it just show up as a little status thing at the top, which is unobtrusive and it doesn't interrupt your program like it used to when you'd get a dialogue box that you had to respond to, a modal dialogue. Right. right. And, and you had to respond to stuff. it. Yeah, it would stop your video. It would stop your game. Whatever was going on, you'd be hosed and be like, come on, man. I was, now when I start the game, I'm going to die because I can't react that fast. <laughs> and... uh but you can choose. Do, do you want it to have sound? Do you want it to be the old modal kind that you have to react to? Do you want it to just be the kind that shows at the top? And then what you can do is pull down the notification thing from the top. Just swipe down from the, the center, and uh, there you go. And then you get a list of your notifications, and you can look at them. You can respond to them. You can clear them out. Um, and if you you know tap on one in the notification center, it'll take you to that program. It'll take you to that event. If you... If you see one pop up on your screen when you're just holding your iDevice or whatever, you can, um, you know, if it's in the lock screen, let's say, you have your iPhone in your lock screen, for example, it pops up, it has a little bar across showing you what the latest notification is, you can swipe across and it'll take you right to that program. It'll unlock your phone, you know, assuming you don't have a passcode, it'll unlock it and take you right to that app. 
And, uh, you know, I just find it kind of nice because they're so much more unobtrusive than they used to be. They don't stop you from functioning. You don't have to click on a modal dialog to continue with your use of your iDevice. And then when your when you want to see your notifications, they're there. And you can control how many, for each program you can control, do I want it to be one of those unobtrusive ones in the top or a modal one that I have to go to? And do I want to have sound? And then you can also determine for each program how many of the last number of notifications do I want to show up there, you know? So it's the granularity in configuring it is pretty impressive. Yeah, and you know, I heard the comment that uh, iOS 5 was like getting a whole new phone, and I definitely agree with that. I do. I, between getting an iPhone 4S and between <laughs> iOS 5, it's... You you got the super double whammy. I mean, it's like a whole new experience. You wouldn't yeah. believe how many times I've sat around with Siri today responding to emails or iMessages from Peter or whatever, you know, just so much easier than typing on a little screen. And I was going to skip the 4S, but now you got me thinking, damn it! Well, that's the thing, is anybody with an iPhone 4 really has to think hard about whether or not it's a worthy upgrade, because Siri's going to be in the next phone, too. You know mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm, it's not yep. going anywhere. And, yep. uh, you know, I mean, yes, it's an, an, it's an awesome feature. It still has things that need to be worked out. You can't control every application with it. You can't say, launch this app and do this in it. Um, but what you, can, what you can do is any place where there's text input... You can either hold it up to your ear as though you were going to make a phone call and Siri will understand that, oh, hey, I'm in a text input and, oh, he's held me up to his ear, so now he can talk and Siri will transcribe for you. So cool, you can do cool, dictation cool. that way. Or you can just push the little mic button by the space bar when, instead of typing into your text input, which is what I do a lot. I'll push that little mic and then hold it up near my mouth and talk into it. Nice. But if you don't want to look like a total rube talking to your phone, you can hold it up and pretend like you're making a phone call. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I yeah, I think it's... Uh, uh, it is like having a whole new phone. Even even on the iPhone 3GS, I was impressed with iOS 5. It did make it quicker. It was like having a new phone to some degree because it was a lot of new features. And I agree. I think it's a it's a big update. iOS 5 is it's smooth. It's polished. It doesn't have every feature under the sun, but it's got a lot uh, for an Apple upgrade, I think. Yeah. To be honest with you, um, I'm going to stick with the 4 and uh, just wait till I'll skip, you know, I'll just skip a model. Basically, probably wait okay. till whatever comes out with five and see what see what that is. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, at that time they're going to still have the forest available. If for some mm -hmm. reason you don't like the five, hey, if the five's bigger, I'll probably stick with the four S. Yeah, you know, the one thing I always thought I wanted was a slightly bigger screen, but the iPhone three GS doesn't have a Retina display, and the iPhone four and four S do. And my, yeah, what, a what a difference that makes! Yeah. It is so amazing reading text on this thing; it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yep, substantially. And now what happens is I look at my iPad too, which I still love, by the way, but I see those pixels. Did you know that? I see them. <laughs> <laughs> They're there. You know, you can tell the difference. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I don't miss the bigger screen now. And the nice thing about the iPhone screens, which have been pointed out by a few people... They're very easy for you to use one hand and use your thumb and do anything you need to do without ripping your uh, thumb out of its socket, trying to stretch it across the screen. You know, mm -hmm. any yep. bigger and it does start to get painful. So there's pros and cons to both. Yeah. I mean, it, if you're going to depend on one device to do everything, then maybe a bigger screen's in order. But I don't. I have no desire to. Uh, I like the thing in my pocket. It fits in my pocket well. And, uh, the you know, not not having to reach too far to do it with one hand with your thumb as uh that's important so yeah i'm i think they did good when they designed the you know the the iphone it's the right size as far mm -hmm. as i'm concerned 
I actually find the sh shape of the iPhone 3GS is is, easy, is slippier. I think you know the iPhone 4 is actually easier to grab onto, and when, it is. when when you compare them, it definitely looks more modern. Anyway, mm -hmm. no, but, I uh, like it. I totally like it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the eight eight megapixel camera is cool. I think mine's four, and I think that's adequate. It makes pretty good pictures. I'm not trying to replace a a real yeah, camera. It's but... not the megapixel count. It's the fact that the iPhone the the one thing iPhone 4s does have is it has more light sensitivity it's 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 even better than the iphone 4 in low light situations which is which is good you know one mm -hmm. thing about the iphone 4s camera that somebody noticed and i've noticed it too since they pointed out if you take a picture of a bright blue sky it is full of noise uh, something's going on in their software or something they're dumping one of their channels full of noise and i think it should be fixable hopefully if it's not just from the fact that they have a, a eight megapixel sensor on such a tiny sensor um but you know it's it's something that needs fixed, and I've noticed it. And ever since I've noticed it, it's it's very noticeable. I mean, and you know, other people have said, "Well, I didn't see it. Nobody's going to care other than pros." And it's like, dude, I'm not a pro, and that bugs the crap out of me when I look at it. Right. You know, so I haven't right. done any testing outside for myself yet. In a well, I haven't had a bright blue sky, but anyway, but anyway, it's it's noticeable. So there, I'm not going to say it's a perfect camera, um, but you know, it's a good camera. It's something that I've taken pictures of my daughter with already and seen a huge difference between that and the iPhone 3GS. The flash is kind of worthless. The flash is totally worthless. Just turn it off because it glares. It, it it only gets stuff that are a few inches away and everything else is in pitch black. Well, did they fix the glare problem? Because, it doesn't seem uh, to glare so much, well, but I haven't, I've only used it for a couple shots. But basically what it did is it... it ex explore that a little bit because the 4 camera, if you turn the light on, it will wash out anything. There's light getting from the light in right back into the lens. There's no getting around it. Oh no no no! I haven't seen that. No no no! Okay, no. It's not they like fixed that. At all. that. That's good. It's just it's just like having a uh, it's just like taking a, trying to take a flash of a concert where all you get are the back of people's heads and yeah. everything else is yeah, black. Yeah. But it's more extreme because it's you know, it's it's even closer than that. So anyway, anyway, we should probably wrap this up. We're going on ninety minutes. I'll have to edit a bunch of this out and edit out my mistakes and all that. But I uh, lied. I'm still here. <laughs> Yeah, Peter. I've been I've been just tuning, not not saying anything because I've been working. But you also the split keyboard on the iPad mm -hmm. when you're talking about like wanting to type with one hand or something like that. Yeah. The split split keyboard on the iPad lets you actually type while holding the stupid thing with two hands now, and that's really yeah. cool. It's kind of small for my thumbs. You know, it lets you thumb type basically is what you're saying. Is, is that a two thing? iPad yeah. two thing? Um, no, no, it's an iOS five, five thing. I was I think. five on the iPad. Yeah. So what you do is on your keyboard, you'll notice on the little keyboard icon mm, yeah. on the lower right, just hold that key, and it'll give you an, a, an option to undock and split. Look at that. Whoa. I love it. Isn't that cute? <laughs> That's so, anyway. so cute. I love it. So, anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Um, do you guys have anything you want to say to the poor people that expected Guy and Gas? Suckers. For Patrick and Peter, I just want to say thanks to everybody at listening to this podcast for putting up with us and you'll never have to do it again if you want to hear so i know that there's a lot more about ios 5 and iphone 4s to talk about um, i will be doing that in upcoming days on and weeks on pocket size podcast it's available on my mac.com not to plug my podcast or anything like that you may or may not want to listen to it but anyway that conversation is definitely going to continue because i have a lot of stuff that i've uh been saving up to already just in these few days to talk about so there's a lot to explore. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to have, um, you know, you guys back on again uh, whenever you're available, not necessarily at the same time, but 
Could be. I don't know. But anyway, you guys have an open invitation. Together is fun. Don't touch that. Okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> do you ever want to be on the podcast again? Do you remember Do you remember how after something like episode two, you used to be a co-host? No. When was that? Yeah. For nostalgic reasons, though, you can still follow me on Twitter. Uh-huh. At Nicolaitis. If you can spell it, good luck. Which no one can. Oh, we should probably do that. So, yeah, anyway, you can follow me at Scott A.W. on Twitter. Uh, there's a Twitter account for Pocket po- pocket Size Podcast, which is called Pocket Podcast. Um, Peter already gave his. Uh, I don't post I don't know anything. You, I don't know if you want to give out yours or not. You certainly don't have to. Uh, no- I, I totally don't care. But uh, you can follow me at Ari Geffer at Twitter.com. Mm-hmm. And... Man, uh, that's you can one. email Guy and Gaz and complain about the show all you want, but it's not going to do a darn bit of good. Nope. Because they're off screwing up my show, too, by the way, just so you know. Just like we screwed up this one. So. <laughs> I'm out of here for real. Take care, All right, guys. me too. I am too. Bye. Bye. And thanks for listening to the MyMac Hijack. You can find the show notes at MyMac.com. Next week, Guy and Gaz will be back. And you can find me over at Pocket Size Podcast on the MyMac.com podcasting network. You can send me feedback at pocketpodcast at gmail.com. I advise that you uh, write to Guy and Gaz and pretend like you're so glad that they're back next week. Tell them how much you hated this. I mean, even though you and I will know better, and it's okay. It'll be our little secret. You don't have to tell them, okay? They have feelings. They're human, sort of. Well, anyway, they say they are. All right, now I got to sneak out of here before somebody comes in and finds me. So, uh, bye. My Mac Podcast is a member of the MyMac.com family of podcasts. Please listen to the My Mac Podcast, the Tech Fan Podcast, the Not Another Mac Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, and the App Minute Podcast. If you don't, Scott will quit podcasting and just have his beloved Siri on his new iPhone 4S do it instead. Won't that be wonderful? You'll be listening to a podcast by a half-wit artificial intelligence who has to contact a faraway server for help every time you say something to it. Show notes for this podcast are at MyMac.com. They are brilliantly written, with superb character development, and a surprise ending. You'll never guess who did it. And if you're like me, you won't even care. Please send audio feedback on this episode to feedback at MyMac.com and to pocketpodcast at gmail.com. Tell Guy and Gas how much you missed them. It's okay to lie when it's for a good cause. Follow Scott's Twitter ramblings at Scott E.W. and Peter at Nicolaitis and Patrick at Aragaffer. And now, since I'm the only real Mac in this podcast, I'm going to go download the internet and make Scott wonder why his hard drives are so full. Maybe he'll buy me a snazzy new SSD.